ready to go, I think. Lots of setting up going on, which is good. Thank all the men for their help. It's almost ready. Huh. Lots of folks coming in. We'll wait for a second and say our prayer. All right, let's go to God in prayer, please. Our masterful and merciful God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We thank you for blessing us and keeping us, for loving us and strengthening us. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God, for allowing us to assemble this evening to study another portion of your holy and divine word. Please guide us into all truth. Grant to us your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding and give us the strength that we need to continue to fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank thee. It be thy will. Amen. Welcome, welcome everyone tonight. Um, so, continuing with a positive mental attitude, we're going to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for our next step. Right? So, um, Here's where we are. We're a positive mental attitude. The way to gain a positive mental attitude in being like Jesus starts with serving others uh, and rejoicing in the opportunity to serve. And as we serve others for Jesus, we do it without grumbling and find that, that Christian joy in our heart for being able to work for the Master. So tonight, then, the next step, as we're looking at gratitude in, uh, in our service, the next step is contentment. Contentment, right? It's almost impossible to have a positive mental attitude if we're not content in the state that we're in, right? Until we can do better. Remembering always that we're just visitors, right? Strangers on the earth, peculiar people. We're just passing through, keeping that perspective. We're just passing from one place, the earth, into our heavenly home. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, very familiar passage to get us started. But godliness actually is a means of great gain. When accompanied with something else, what is that? Contentment, right? What does that mean then? I mean, there the verse is, we've read it probably, you know, throughout our lifetime. But what does that really mean to us? What does it really mean to have godliness coupled with contentment? And that is the Bible says great gain. It's not even just gain, it's great gain. And so what's the difference between contentment and happiness? You know, what's, what's the difference? Any ideas? Why is that verse in there and what does it really mean to us? That contentment with godliness is a means of great gain. Contentment is inside isn't it? Contentment is something that is not external. Happiness is external. Right? Happiness is like, all right, uh, it's my, per- my birthday, I got these gifts, wow, I'm so happy, I'm so excited. Well, something good happened, I got a promotion on the job. And then life goes back to being normal, if you will, being what it used to be um, in a certain amount of time. But contentment is something that is not circumstantial. It's continual 
and it comes from God, of course, and it's, it's within, and it's something that has to be learned. We'll look more at the idea that has to be learned in just a moment or two. Um, but it's satisfaction and peace, regardless of the outcome of certain situations, right? It's that I'm looking to Jesus. From looking to Jesus, was Jesus content? Yes. From looking to Jesus and, and finding that God has me, uh, you know, in this moment that I'm in. However I got there, it doesn't matter. I'm in this moment and God is with me. And I know that. So I'm okay with that, right? Like the Israelites were in the wilderness. Well, be content because you're going to be there for a little while. Israel, Judah went to Babylon. God said, go build houses and be content because you're going to be there for a while. And I don't know where our state of life is, but be content because maybe we're going to be here for a little while, right? Whatever that means and however uh, that may play out to be as far as time is concerned. Okay, so then he says, okay, let's think about the reality of life. Here's the reality of life. The next verse, verse 7. You brought nothing into the world, you take nothing out of it. You're not taking anything with you anyway. Right? You ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? <laughs> right? You don't see that, right? Remember the old times, uh, different cultures, many different cultures, would actually bury, well, sadly, people, live people, but they would bury gold and silver and things you might need on your journey, right? And put it in a, in a tomb with you or burn it up, whatever it is, right, with you as if you were taking it from this life to the next life. That doesn't happen, right? So the Bible's clear on the fact that you came in naked, all of us, and we're going to leave the world naked. Verse 7 says, For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be... Yep, there it is again. Wait a minute. So the reality is, when you break it all down to the very, 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 very simplest form, as long as we have something to eat and food and covering over our bodies, God says that should be enough in reality. That's what it says. <laughs> it's one of those quiet moments, right? But that's what it says, right? And so when you have contentment, you say, you know what, well, wait a minute. So there's the start. The beginning is I have some food, I have a sandwich. And I have clothing on my body. I have a covering. Okay, let's see. I have a house. Wow. I have a car. I'm getting better. I have more than one pair of shoes. You see how it stacks up? And God is saying, why aren't you content? And we're going to look more at this in just a moment as to why maybe I'm not so content. Right? Let's look at James chapter 4 and verse 10. It's one of those one of those difficult subjects or thoughts because um, it calls for humility, doesn't it? Because here's what we say. Here's what we say. Now, how many of us really believe it? It's a, it's a, it's a cliche. It's a cliche, a thought. It's, a, it's a, um, something you hear on the radio all the time. I'm better than I deserve. How many of us really believe that? Now, go back to contentment. Clothes, <laughs> covering, and food, and that's it. And you should be en- that should be enough to be content. How many of us, if we only had clothing and, and, and food, would say, better than I deserve? We don't really mean that. Nobody that I have met 
really means that. We don't even really understand what that really means when you compare it to 1 Timothy chapter 6 of being content. No, no, I, I would like a little bit more. I do feel like I deserve more than just this one outfit and a sandwich. How about you? Honestly. <laughs> yeah, we do, right? We, we do. We're not going to go sell everything we own and just leave just the clothing on our back and just pray God for a sandwich every day and say, that's good. I'm going to commit the rest of my life to the church. We're just not going to do that, right? So we don't really mean that when we say it. It's just, it's just, so, it's just words in the air. Well, now that we know more, now that we know more, right, better than, we did, better than I deserve. It's true, but do we mean it? Would we, would we say it if we only had clothes, just this outfit? Right, exactly. But that's my point. But, but my point is, is that we would never give up this to be a person who only has clothing on his back and a sandwich. I, wouldn't, I would not give that up, right, unless I had to. And, and then I would have to learn to be content in that state and not strive to be what I used to be. Right? Does that make sense? Does, that, does it make sense to anyone? I mean, am I, is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Right? Maybe I'm the only one. Let's leave it at that. Okay? Um, <laughs> um, so look at James 4 in verse, in verse 10. James 4 verse 10 calls us to humility, having a humble mind. Uh, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And that's what we really look for. Right? That opportunity to be exalted by, uh, by our God. So let, let's think for just a moment at um, Ecclesiastes 5, and let's take a look at some of the problems. Some of the problems with the idea of contentment in the human mind, right? Please ask these chapter 5. We'll begin there, and then we'll look at a couple of other passages. Please ask these 5 and verse 10 is where we're going to go first. Listen to what it says. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. So does money, does, you think about money, and a person that loves money, is a person that loves money ever really satisfied? No, right? Because they can't get, you can never get enough, right? Because it's something you use every day. So every day you're depleting it. Every day it's going away. And then every day, but every day you're trying to gain more of it to sustain what you have and then even increase. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 8. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches and never asked, and for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity and is a grievous task. So here the text is saying, you have no one to, you have no one to leave anything to. And you have, um, you have no, no family, basically, is the text there. Um, but you work forever. Why? You see the text? <laughs> Why? 
and it's not talking about the necessities of life. It's talking about this person right here who labors, uh, the Bible says, uh, he, he labors, um, and yet there's no profit in his labor. In other words, what's the point of this person laboring? So we look at the world and we go, okay, you have, let me just make this a little bit different, make it a colloquial for us today. You have $20 billion. And you keep going to work. Why? Because it's never enough. Right? And maybe again, maybe it's just me. But I, I just haven't seen it yet of you. Seems to be continual. It seems to be the way we think. It's just never enough. It's never enough. Right? I know it, it may sting a little bit, but it's true. At least in my life it's true. Maybe it's not in your life. But in my life, it's true. It's never enough, right? Um, look at the next passage. Ecclesiastes 6 and verse 7. And maybe this is the reason why. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. Okay, well, I labor because I, I need more food, to get more food. True to sustain me, um, but my freezer is pretty full right now. How about yours? I know, eventually I'm going to have to get more food, but I don't need any food today. (laughs) Not right. Not for a while, actually. You really think about it. Contentment. See, God calls us to two things. Godliness and contentment. And he says, godliness with contentment is a means of great gain. And I guess tonight the question is, Maybe you search your heart, I'll search mine, and ask myself, Lord, for me, truly, honestly, when is enough enough for me? Right? Maybe not for you, but for me. When's enough enough? When could I say, God, I'm full, I have plenty, don't give me any more. I would ask you to go back and look at Solomon and say, when did Solomon ever say that? Never. <laughs> Right, even though God gave him great riches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, never gave, never said, "Okay, God, that's good. I'm, I'm good. I don't need any more." Never happened. It just seems to be a way that that humans think. Right? Um, Habakkuk chapter uh, three, and I want to look at um, verse. We want to look at. 17, verses 17 through about verse uh, 19. So when is enough, when, when would I honestly say in my heart, Lord, I have enough? I haven't said it yet. In some, in some areas I've said it, but for the most part, I've, no, I haven't said it yet. I'm just being honest, Right? Am I content? I hope I am, but I don't know. Am I? See, I have to seek, I have to search my own heart. I have to do my own inventory. Right? As long as there's shiny stuff, right? I always gonna want something new. Right? Well, that's pretty, I'm gonna get that. Go ahead. Sure, right. Right. And then as you get older, 
like you read my notes too because <laughs> the Bible says contentment must be learned right and that's exactly what you're saying you're saying oh this is it okay you live life and you just live life and you're just in life you're just like doing stuff because you're in life right um, and the advertisement world they're out there we live life we just live life and then oh, as we get older we start reassessing reevaluating we're thinking about things but it takes a while to learn how to be content Right? Some of it is by force, right? Um, but we, it takes a while to learn how to be content. And it's true. Now, now we're going to look at, let's look at this passage here, and then we, wanna, we want to get to that, that point here in just a moment. Um, back in chapter 3, verse yeah, 17, I think is what I said. 17 through about 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt the Lord, and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Here's my question. Oh, God, I'm better than I deserve, God. After reading that passage, I don't know how many of those guys would have said that. Right? You know who started that saying... Dave Ramsey, a multimillionaire. <laughs> All right, let me just keep going. Uh, the Lord God is my strength. Maybe he didn't, but I, I've heard him say it often. Um, and he has made my feet like hind's feet and made my, my paths, <clears throat> makes me walk on my high places. And so, though I have so little, you know, the food is, is, is scarce, um, things aren't producing so the money's down as long as I have God I'm good to go I mean what a great attitude that Habakkuk displays through uh, this text and his, his words and his learning contentment contentment we're talking about what is the whole point a positive mental attitude can I be positive when I have less will I be positive when I have less? Am I positive when I have less? Do I see God the same way that I see him when I have more as when I have less? You know, that's the question. Contentment. Right? When I had less, was I better off? I've heard many people say that. Yeah. Right? Because I wasn't so distracted. And, you know, we, we could maybe talk about that. Pro- Proverbs 27 and verse 20. So here's what contentment does for us. Let's talk about this. 
What does contentment do for us? And let's talk about learning uh, how to be content or learning what contentment means uh, for us individually. Proverbs 27, contentment keeps us focused on what really matters. Okay, Proverbs 27 and verse 20. What actually, what really matters? So we learned it in 1 Timothy 6 that godliness is what really matters, right? Proverbs 27, uh, 27 and verse 20 the Bible says, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. So since I know I'm not going to ever find satisfaction, I'm not going to argue with the Bible. I'm never full of seeing. You know, there's always something nicer out there, right? You got this nice car, and then someone else pulls up in a nicer car. Right? And you go, oh, that's a nice car. And then, you know, you go, oh, well, you know, my car is old, and so maybe I need a new car. You know, or yeah, you see a television commercial and you go, you know, I was just thinking about that. I do need some of those. I mean, it just doesn't end, right? So it's the world of, um, the world of, of materialism that inundates our, our every moment of the day, right? I mean, everything that we see, we keep looking around and there's always something new. It's never enough. We can never, we will never see enough. It just doesn't happen, right? So, so contentment keeps it into, in perspective to say, uh, well, you know, but I have enough, right? I don't need that shiny new blah, blah, blah. I just already, already have one, right? And, and I'm good with that. I'm not going to allow that to become a, uh, a distraction for me. Contentment is, is the blessing that leads to inward peace, right? You know, you know when you're, remember when you're a teenager and uh, we're going to John 14, uh, when you were a teenager in high school, and it was always, I know when I grew up, it was like, you had to have fancy clothing, you know, you weren't, you, know, you had to have something nice. If you didn't have something nice, you weren't really accepted. Life is tough, right? Uh, growing up, it's still similar to, uh, uh, you know, maybe our children today, and also in life. Life is tough. You're, you don't want to be seen in, a, in America as the poor kid, right? Or in our communities as the poor kid, the guys that have nothing, and then the world says, well, how is Jesus blessing you if you don't have anything? And you're going to have enough. And they go, what do you mean? What's enough? And they don't even understand that idea. And sometimes I don't know if we understand that idea. Right? Uh, John 14. This is not about, oh, we have too much. It's not about that. It's about, are we content in the state that we're in? That's what it's about. Right? John 14, 27. Jesus, he speaks. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. There's this, there's this satisfaction in Jesus that cannot be found in the world. The world can't give us that, right? It doesn't have that to offer to us, right? That's why the world keeps coming up with something new. Because it has, it has to offer us something. And it hopes to bait us in. And it hopes to grab us. And it does, doesn't it? It's pro- they're professionals who know, all right, give them a 15-second commercial or a 20-second commercial, or, but not too long, and give them just enough, right? And they grab us and they go, wow, yeah, I got to have that, right? It's just called life, right? Um, Philippians chapter 4. Now, let's get to this idea that contentment is something that... that it would behoove us to strive to learn how to be content. So Paul speaks of contentment. We'll begin at verse 
We'll begin at verse 10, just we have context here. Paul speaks of contentment. And this is in, in, with God's provisions. So God is given, God is given, God is given. And now God's provisions in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. So now he's talking about helping them financially. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So let's put ourselves for just a moment in the, 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 uh, the place of Jesus, right? Or maybe we'll just do the times of Jesus, and we'll do the apostles. And Jesus says, don't take anything, don't take a money bag. We're going to just go. Right? We're just going to go. You just come follow me. You go. I need to pack. And Lord says, nope, don't pack. Just come with me. How many of us would do that? And then how many of us would be content walking with Jesus, being persecuted, things aren't going well, you're, you know, you're, you're going from house to house, you're being rejected, some folks offer you food, other folks won't, you're kind of hungry, you're parched, you need something to drink. I mean, what kind of life is that? Is that a blessed life to be with Jesus and walk without anything? Haven't left everything behind? Can you find contentment in that? Can I find contentment in that kind of lifestyle, in that kind of living? Jesus was content, right? Paul says, I learned how to be content. Learn. So at one time, Paul wasn't content, right? And then he learned how to be content. Verse 11, now that I speak from one, for I've learned to be content in whatever, whatever circumstance I am. It doesn't matter what it is. He says, okay, I'm a, I go preach Jesus, and they see Jesus in me, even when I'm starving or hungry. Remember, these were hungry. Even when I'm hungry. Had a bad day. No, no one's listening to the gospel. I've been persecuted. I, I'm running from my own brethren. They let me down in a basket. I've got to hide at night. I've got to run from my life. I mean, it's tough, but I'm, I'm content in that state. I'm content in that state. Then, then you read about Paul's life. And, you, and I want you to, we're going to come right back to, Philippi, go to Philippians, but we're going over to 2 Corinthians for just a moment. And we're thinking about this same man who said, we're going to chapter 11, I've learned how to be content in whatever state I'm in, okay? And so then I want to go to verse 24, and let me see. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, but I'm content. Three times I was beaten with rods. I'm content. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I spent in the deep. I have been in frequent journeys and dangers of the rivers, from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. But you need to know something, church. I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. It doesn't sound like he's saying, Jesus, what are you doing to me? It doesn't seem like he's saying that. It seems like he's saying, God, thank you for taking care of me. Right? That's right, because he said, I learned how to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. Let's keep going. 
Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak, and who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I boast, if I have to boast, I'll boast of what pertains to my weaknesses. And he said he got weaknesses too, right? Right? Go back to Philippians now. So he says, look, through all this, through all of this, I found the secret to life. Right? It's godliness coupled with contentment. That's the secret to life. Right? Godliness is my mind is focused on heaven. Right? The Bible says, Hebrews 12, you know, keep your, keep your focus on the author and perfecter uh, of the faith. Right? The one who finished, the one who made the course and finished the course. Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. So Jesus kind of lived, if you will, as a man on the earth, but his mind was in heaven. You know, I mean, I'm just, it doesn't say that, but I'm just kind of throwing the idea out there. Um, he was fixated and focused on the Father and what the Father's will was. And then, and then Paul said, I learned the secret to success in this life and not going crazy. And that is I've coupled godliness with contentment. And it's made all the difference for me in my life. Because life isn't always good, right, from a physical standpoint. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's always good. Because God is good. And when my focus is on God, I'm going to be all right. Because I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> all of us are. You don't have to give a second opinion. Don't go Google that. All of us are going to die. Die with Jesus. So then there's this blessing when you're godly and you're thinking about godliness, you say, Lord, here I am, and I thank you that I am where I am, but help me to reach my goal. Right? My goal is to get to heaven. And until I get there, Lord, wherever you want me to be, here I am. Kind of like Isaiah 6, Lord, here I am, send me. Right? Okay, so Paul said, I've learned the, the art, if you will. I've learned how to be content. Uh, verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means. That means he's poor, right? And I also know how to live in prosperity. That means he's doing pretty good. He says, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Isn't that great? So you're listening to a man who's been there, right? And he says, I've been there. I know what I've learned how to get along. So God is not saying there's anything wrong with having money. We know that. And God's not saying there's anything wrong with not having money. God's saying just be content in the state that you're in until you can do better if better is necessary. So Paul says, I've learned how to be on both ends of the spectrum. He says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every... Did he say every? He did, didn't he? He said in any and every... That's perspective, isn't it? In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being... Wait, you can't be full when you're poor. Uh Uh-oh. That's the wrong view, isn't it? Right? Yes, you can. And yes, poor people are. Right? I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he goes to that godly thing and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, when I'm poor, when I'm poor, that's the, that poor, poor is really, really poor, right? When I'm that, Guess what? I've learned how to look to Jesus and find happiness and contentment. Because there's something about this. There's something about being here where I am that God wants me to learn. And if i got to be here until I die, then so be it. I'm with God. As long as I'm with God, I'm good. 
That has to be the mentality, the mindset for all of God's people. If it's true that the Lord is our shepherd and I shall not want. If he's really taking care of us, if he really has us, like someone says, God's got me. If he really has us, then I'm okay. There's a reason or there's an opportunity in the state that I'm in. Whatever that state of mind or that, or that physical condition might possibly be. So, we should talk about then cultivating contentment. Because you've got to learn it, right? To learn how to, how to be content. And so, cultivating contentment. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for just a moment. Um, so, cultivating contentment is, is doing something like this. Instead of saying, oh, I don't have anything. Thank God instead for what you do have. And then I have everything. Look at what I have, right? Look at what I have. Right? Don't raise your hand, but I mean, you have two cars, right? So if one car breaks down, you got to back up. Right? Thank you, God. If I only have one car, it's not broken down, so I'm good. Right? If it does break down, I have my Chevrolet. We're born with a Chevrolet, right? Chef one foot, lady other. You can walk, right? You'll make it, right? Thank you, God, whatever the state is I'm in, right? This is not just talk. It's not just preacher talk. It's Bible talk. Can I find the contentment that I need within myself in my relationship with God? I'm cultivating uh, the contentment that is in, in my heart. Um, practicing gratitude. We already talked about that. Gratitude. Thanking God. Thank you, God, for all that I have. Now, just start going down the list and just start checking off all the stuff you have. And, and wow. <laughs> then you can say, better than I deserve. <laughs> right? When you start checking off all the stuff that we have. So, Practicing and making sure that gratitude is, is at the forefront of our, of our minds. And then contentment is focusing um, on eternal things, right? I mean, that's, that's what today's all about, right? Isn't it about my soul? Right? There's another day and another opportunity that God is giving the world for lost people to be saved. Maybe I had an opportunity to talk to someone, and then again, maybe, maybe I didn't. But today is my soul right with God. And if it is, thank you, God, for today, another opportunity. Right? And then if, if God has, has blessed us through the day so that Satan did not, did not find me, thank you, God, that Satan didn't find me today. I know he was looking for me, but you had me. Right? Today's a day to rejoice in the Lord because of the gifts that God has given to us. So, focusing on, on the spiritual and, uh, and the eternal. Uh, and then, when you, when you look at verse 17 of, of 2 Corinthians 4, it's just a pretty amazing verse. It's so packed. It is, there's so much depth. There's so much depth to, to verse 17, you couldn't, you couldn't do it justice in a lifetime. And the reason you couldn't is because it's eternal, right? So, don't even, we, you know, preachers shouldn't even try. Verse 17, for momentary... Let me just pass that first word, second word. For momentary afflictions, it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So anything you've ever gone through and that I've gone through and that I will go through can't compare to what God has waiting for us in heaven. Wow. That's pretty exciting. All right, well, wait, oh Lord, wait. Remember that time when, and God says, don't worry about it, wait till you see heaven. Wait till you get to heaven, preacher. Well, what do you have there? You'll see. 
But Lord, I, I've been going through some really heavy things. Now, remember the guy that was beaten and shipwrecked and all that stuff, contentment, he learned contentment. What was his name again, Paul? He's got it, wrote that too by inspiration. And, and he says something that is interesting. He says for, what is that word I skipped? Momentary light. I, I look at Paul's life and I go, there's nothing light about that, Paul. Right? Paul says, no, it was light when you compare it to heaven. And, oh, and by the way, you're talking to a man that can write to you in 2 Corinthians 12, and he can say, oh, by the way, I was in this place. I know this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But he was up in the third heaven, and he saw some stuff. <laughs> Got a thorn in his flesh to keep him, keep him quiet and keep him humble. So he might know something right, that I don't know. So when I look at the scriptures and I think about contentment and godliness, there must be something good, or as the text says, great to contentment and godliness. There must be something great about being with Jesus all the time in my mind and in my heart. There must be something to it. I mean, that's what at least the author wants us to believe. Do I believe it yet? Contentment. Go to Romans uh, chapter 8. So we're cultivating uh, contentment. And we're, we're far beyond all comparison. Far beyond the, the temporary, you know, our, our life and all this stuff. And I think someone, someone said, don't sweat the small stuff, right? Remember that commercial? I don't even remember what kind. I think it's an, an underarm deodorant commercial. Never let them see you sweat, right? It was like, don't let them because, you, I mean, I don't don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, Paul is calling this small stuff. And I'm like, no, Paul, you don't, you don't get it. You don't know. And Paul says, really, Tony, do you really? No, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Not really. What did Jesus say? No, you don't want to talk to me about suffering, do you? No, Lord, I don't. Be content. Right? Couple it with godliness, right? God first in all things, truly and honestly, sincerely. And then thanking God for wherever you are, wherever it is, wherever that place is. Thank you, God, for being in that place. And it's humbling to get around, the, to be amongst the really, really impoverished. And them say, thank you, God, for today. Look, I got some food. Like, yeah, wow. So, so Romans 8 and, and verse 18, with the same idea, same thought. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is that? There's something about that, guys, right? You ought to go, you know, research glory. Now, just go and do some, I mean, it's hard. It, by the way, this is a difficult subject, right? Because it's so deep. You know, it's like, and Paul says, look, when you compare your life to the glory you're going to get, you don't, don't worry about your life. Jesus said that. Don't worry about your life, about what you're going to eat or what you're going to, right, Matthew 6? He says, you guys don't understand. What, Lord? I've got something amazing for you in the heavenlies. <laughs> you're going to die for it, <laughs> right? It's, it's, is it? I mean, is it really what God says it is? And he doesn't even really, you know what's amazing? The Bible doesn't really even describe heaven. <laughs> you know Why? He said, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, you're not going to believe if I tell you heavenly things. 
Jesus said that, right? He says, you can't handle it. No, 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 really, I can't handle it. Oh, you can't. You can't handle it, preacher. Okay. Lord, I can't. And, and the one thing I, I, I th- think about is, um, you know, there were these demons, and they came to the earth, and they were in that, that, that gentleman, and there were 2,000. Remember that? There were 2,000 demons. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, command that we go into the pigs, right? They, they herd of swine. And um, well, what's the benefit of going from the human into the swine? What, what was the benefit of that? Right? What was the, remember what the question was. The request was, dear God, dear Jesus, have mercy on us. Remember, that was the, that was the request. So Jesus says, okay, what's mercy? Give us a few more seconds out of hell. That's actually the only benefit of going into the swine. There was no other benefit. You, don't, you can't possess a swine, right? And the swine ran into the water and they all drowned and the demons went back to hell. 2,000 of them. And that was mercy. They asked Jesus for it because he said, what do you want me to do? And they said, show us mercy. Grant that we, and he did it. So not because of hell, that, that's not what makes heaven great. What makes heaven great is that God is there. Right? That's what makes it great. Okay, let, let me keep going. All right, we cultivate contentment uh, again by serving others, and we do it one day at a time. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 8, and hopefully we'll have enough time to expound. If we don't, we'll come back and we'll think about Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 is a, is a great verse regarding um, contentment because it gives us information and insight um, about food. <laughs> what does that do with contentment? It's got a lot to do with it, right? Because we also need this other thing called humility. And so here, here's what God says. Let's, let's get, um, first of all, let's just read it. All the commandments that I've com- commanded you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord has sworn to give to you and your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be, what? Hungry. Wait, that's humbling? Yeah, I wanted to see something. What did you need to know, Lord? Listen. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not... Oh, I get it. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Contentment and godliness is a means of great gain. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you, God, what is this all about, Lord? And he said, I tested you, and I made sure you were a little bit hungry so you could understand you can survive without food. You're going to be all right for a very long time, right? We don't need as much food. I went to Italy, and I went there, and I'll tell you this one quick broken story. And I was there, and I went to buy a cup of coffee. And they brought me a cup of coffee, and I thought, is this the taster cup? Because, you know, they give you that little teeny cup. And I was like, is this the, excuse me, yeah, it, that one was really good. Man, I would like to have the regular. Can I? And they were like, that is the regular cup. I was like, 
wait, I paid, I forgot how much I paid. It was a lot. I, you know, the euro was off. You know, we were, dollar was down. It was an expensive cup of coffee. And I was like, that's all we get? And he's like, yeah, that's all you get. I didn't really sell it. I was just thinking that in my mind. But I walked away disappointed. Like, that's all I get? I paid like $10 for that cup of coffee. And it was a little teeny cup of coffee. Because Americans, that's our cup of coffee. I know, we, we just love abundance, don't we? Right? But man shall not live by bread alone. So God says, you can be happy, Tony, with a whole lot less food. Mm-mm. <laughs> he says, yeah, you can. So then I wonder, then, can I be happy with a whole lot less stuff? Right. All right. Let's enjoy. We'll come back and we'll finish up contentment and we'll keep, continue on uh, about talking about having a, a positive mental attitude in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the relationship. Thank you tonight for allowing me to ramble on. I appreciate it. Have a great night. We're fi- oh, we'll have a, a Devo in a moment and an invitation. And welcome to the Moors who are, who are up here for the ladies' retreat. Thank you for coming up and uh, blessing us. You're dismissed.